0: I was probably 14 when I realized cold email could accelerate things.
1: Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Nick Sharma. Uh, Nick is the CEO of Sharma Brands. His company is a strategic initiatives firm working with a wide range of brands, to help scale and grow revenue across digital platforms. He has worked with hypergrowth brands like Hint Water, Pill Club, Judy, Poopery, just to name a few. Um, Nick was one of Adweek's Young and Influential, Forbes 30 Under 30, um, and is an investor and advisor to some of the fastest-growing brands in e-commerce. We'll talk about personal branding um, on this episode, and, and Nick is, if you Google the DTC guy, Literally, if you Google the DTC guy, Nick shows up. Uh, We talk about how Nick became the DTC guy, what it means to have a personal brand. Uh, Nick has also been very vocal about cold email and how cold email has uncovered professional opportunities for him. He talks about um, an email, a cold email here to Mark Cuban, um, and we kind of dive deep into the ins and outs of cold email. Uh, And as I mentioned on the show before, I believe that you're one email away from a new opportunity, and Nick really uh, dives deep on this to really help you uh, level up. We also talk about side hustles, how to think about them, how to start them, where to find them. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at podcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Nick. Nick, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, David. I'm excited to be here.
1: We're talking about kind of Zoom music and and diving into some things in the beginning. But uh, one thing that I definitely wanted to start it off was just talking about kind of cold email. Um, And was curious as to like when you knew cold email could help accelerate things for you.
0: I was probably 14 when I realized cold email could accelerate things. So when I was in um, high school, I was never like the cool kid, the popular kid, you know, the the one with a ton of friends. It was always like I was just in, uh, in you know, I had like friends, obviously, but never like the, you know, I, I always wanted like more. <laughs> Sounds weird to say it, but um, you know, then I, I would start to think like, okay, you know, for example, I'd watch Shark Tank, like, how can I get in touch with Mark Cuban? Um, or, you know, in high school, I used to DJ. That was like what I did to make money. And I would see people post on Craigslist, like looking for a DJ, or there was, um, you know, different venues that, that were always hosting parties and I'd cold email them and say, Hey, I'm a DJ. And I'm probably, more in touch with the music that the people want to hear because I'm younger and I'm also probably cheaper because I don't have you know I don't have expenses like a normal human. And um, so I started cold emailing when I was in high school. After high school I went to an ad tech company where I was doing business development and the goal was basically take the first party applications and software that the company had and try to embed them on you know publisher sites. And most of the publishers they would try to go after in the beginning were like, you know, small, one man run sites. And and then there's me who, you know, I I, keep in mind, I just came from high school. I don't know anything about the world of ad tech. I'm like trying to figure this out myself. I have no real formal training, no like, you know, no onboarding into this. But at one point they were just like, all right, we're going to put you into this business development role. And, you know, there's this other guy we'll call his name Ben and uh you know learn what ben does ben was the top business development rep at his last company and that's why we brought him here and uh you know your job is basically take all these apps and try to embed them into publishers and so it started and you know ben was going after sites that were you know relative they were they were okay sites they were like you know their their traffic was decent it did it did the job for what we needed which was pump first party data into these apps so that we could then use that data and on the advertiser side. And, you know, I started to look at Ben's process and I'm like, all right, so Ben basically identifies this list of sites, this publishers that he wants. Then he goes and puts together an Excel sheet. So he puts the, the site name, the uh, you know, he goes and finds like the email address somehow he, he searches around for it. And then he puts together these emails that are basically saying, you know, hey, uh, David, my name's Ben. I work for this company and we do X, Y, and Z. I'm reaching out because, um, you know, uh, we want to basically, we want to put apps on your site. It'll help you with social sharing or URL shortening or all these kinds of things, things that are beneficial for you. Let me know if we can set up a 15-minute call for a demo. And the subject line was something like, you know, "Ben, Ben X David, you know, dash intro. Or if we wanted to get really creative, he'd be like Ben X or forward colon FWD colon Ben X David, you know, following up or something like that, like trying, trying to get the open. And so I'm looking at Ben and I'm just like, dude, you are spending, you know, 80% of your day sourcing, 20% emailing. And then you have another Excel sheet where you're basically making a list of people who you've emailed but haven't responded. And so now you're, you know, setting your, your reminders to follow up. So me coming from, you know uh, the background of like, you know, the uh, I'm, I'm like all about speed. I just, I couldn't stand the fact that he, he was making so many sheets manually. So I'm over here thinking like, wow, there's really gotta be a smarter way to do this. If we know who we're going after, we know, what we're selling. And we know on, on the flip side, I know at least why they want it or how it would help them. And we know, we know that follow-ups matter, right? Like we know we have to email them X amount of times. I went like all in on Jordan Belford stuff and like random sales stuff. And I took all the notes, like, okay, basically we got to do X, Y, and Z. And that's how, that's how you win in cold email. So, <clears throat> you know, knowing that everybody's getting these very corporate sounding emails, you know, I was a, a I was probably like peak Gary V fan at that time as well, and so I would just listen to him say things like, you know, you know, there's a there's a, there's still a human behind every company, or you know, how do you do something that's like kind of weird? Like he will never correct his spelling mistakes because it comes off as more authentic, just as an example, or like you know, adding something to your email signature which drives a call to action back you know, because that's like basically free ad inventory or or free, free real estate. And so I start thinking, all right, basically I, I write out, you know, seven emails all with a two day delay up front and then one day delay on the back half. And it starts out with basically like, did you know that Bitly is selling your data to advertisers? Oh shit. No, I didn't know that you know, like finding things that are either pain points for them or things that are that they're looking for. And essentially, it was a seven email series, I'd put it all into outreach.io, which I still think is a fantastic software. And I would have these these series. So now I'm not really touching anything on the email side, I can put a list of emails in, I had a ton of variables in my Excel sheet, which I'll talk about in a second, a ton of variables from their position name, their the city that they're living in their name, the company name, the, the website and maybe like one or two other apps that they had on their site. And my cold emails had all the right spots to input these variables based on, you know, uploading a CSV. And so every morning I'd upload this CSV, it would start sending emails out. And I would do it at, a di- at different times too. I would do, you know, I would test like maybe, you know, 5.30 AM because everybody sends emails between eight and 10, right? So everybody's email is already blowing up. So I'd try 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., I'd try like 11 p.m., I'd try 11 a.m. And I think the one of the better conversion times was like 11 a.m. because people were either just finished up lunch in the East Coast or in the West Coast. They were starting to think about lunch. And um, <clears throat> anyways, so they'd get the first email. If they responded, it lands right in my inbox, like, you know, basically a reply. And if they didn't respond, then it just keeps going through the seven. And the seven get more comical as you go. They get like more, almost like immature as you go on. You know, the last one is basically some wizard looking dude with a gif with his arms open saying, you know, are you even here? Is anybody even seeing this? And surprisingly that got that always got the most responses. And, uh, and so I learned, you know, the, the power of the follow-up is insane. But then, you know, that's, so that solves one problem of like, one, how do you get somebody to open the email? And there was also just a ton of subject line testing, like testing, like no other. So there was, so that solved the problem of like getting the email open and getting a reply. But the problem it didn't solve was now, how do I get all these leads? So uh, again, me being me and thinking, I don't want to waste my time doing this. I basically figured out the formula of how to find these publishers I wanted. And while this guy was basically, you know, Ben was essentially like going and, and researching different sites, or you know, coming across sites, or going to BuiltWith.com and uh, and looking at what what apps are on what domains, and then sorting by Alexa rank and going after that. I was just like, why don't we just go after? I mean, if we have a, a product that works, let's go after the biggest sites. So I'd start. Go. I went to AdBeat, and AdBeat is a platform that you can basically plug in any site or a, an ad network. It shows you the, the largest spenders. It shows you like, you know, who's getting the most traffic, that types of things. And I'd, I'd, uh, figure out, okay, for example, you know, there was a, a site called buzzlamp.com, which I don't think exists anymore. Uh, there was another site called, uh, you know, there was one in India. I forget the name of, they were like, they were bigger than Buzzfeed and, and, but based in India, they were doing like a million page views a day. Uh, you know, I got little things and little Buddha, which were like viral sites back in the day. Um, and the other one was a plus, which is Ashton Kutcher's publisher. And so I was like, all right, you know, these are the types of sites I want to go after because one, I'm going to destroy Ben and two, like, I'm going to be the one with the, you know, we had like basically a leaderboard internally, which was, you know, how many page views did your publishers drive? And the goal was always like, oh, you know, we're, we're still kind of building the back end. If you break the back end, you like get lunch or something. And so so then I said, all right, this is the process. I documented the process on how I go after these sites, all the info I need, how to find all that info. I hired a VA out of the Philippines and I basically said, look, you're awake when I'm asleep. This is exactly how you do it. Find me 50 to 75 sites a day and I'll just pay you hourly to do it. So every morning I'd wake up, I'd have a new CSV with all the variants and attributes I needed. I'd drop it into outreach. It would start sending this blast out. And all of a sudden, now I'm only spending my time on phone calls with with people that are like ready to talk and ready to move forward versus spending all my time doing the research, sending the emails, checking the follow-ups, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the thing I learned, uh, which we were also talking about right before this is like, People basically just want to be treated like humans. They don't want to be, you know, nobody wants to be this like corporate robot that everybody thinks. And, you know, if 99% of the emails that people are getting sound very corporate, if yours sounds silly and fun or funny, like you're going to be the one to get the response. And overall, just that, you know, there's, there's, there's so much low hanging fruit in cold emails that people don't take advantage of, you know, down to the structure of the email. What are you mentioning? The types of social proof, like... Uh, you know, negating any of the the things people would see as as roadblocks or speed bumps. Um, now I'm just ranting, but basically, I think you know, cold emails are a gem, and and most people just unfortunately don't know how to write them. I still get cold emails today, and I'll, a lot of times I'll I'll like respond and be like, you know, this email sucked. The product is cool. That your email sucked, and I would respond if you said this. And sometimes they'll use it. Um, but it's it's like uh, you know it's like a subject line or a or if you're writing an article it's your headline right it's like how do you get somebody even interested to earn the attention for whatever's even to come next.
1: Cool and, and it also sounds like what you're saying is that like and I think you might have tweeted about it is just like high power business owners like they check their own personal email.
0: Yeah, and if you have something that's long, like zero chance you're getting a response,
1: and long is. Two
0: paragraphs? Long is like like maybe more than two paragraphs. Anything maybe over two paragraphs. I also think there's a, there's a very clear art to like how you write an email in terms of breaking sentence structures out, bolding, underlining, you know, putting things in parentheses, uh, using the end dash. Like there's a lot of things you can do structurally that just make your email more fun to read or, or easier on your eyes versus just having like a chunk.
1: And that's the goal: is to make it easier on the recipient's eyes, exactly. And then, obviously, then the content as well,
0: exactly. And it all works if what you're doing is is uh, one, it's like the right fit for the person getting the email. If you send a great cold email to somebody who's not the gatekeeper, not the decision maker, then it's a you know it's not really a win because nothing's going to happen. And if you send if you send um, a, a, a great email to the right person with a product that doesn't work, then you know, over time, it's just not going to end up working.
1: But it's, but it's worked for you in the past. Like that's been. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, I love cold emails. I love, uh, I, I even like, you know, last year or two years ago, I saw, you know, Mark Cuban was doing something on Twitter. He was like going back and forth about something around the SEC and uh, morning Brew's, uh podcast host at the time, Kinsey replied and said, you know, Hey, Hey Mark, you want to come on our podcast and talk about it? We get a million downloads, and obviously Mark's not going to see it. She's not; she wasn't verified at the time, and Mark's Twitter's blowing up, so he's not even reading everything. You know that he's being mentioned in. So I know that Mark Cuban responds to emails like that. Like he responds within seven minutes or less, and so I just emailed him. I said, "Hey Mark, uh, a really good friend of mine runs a podcast called Business Casual. It gets a million downloads, and they're going to blast out." they blast out episodes to their entire reader base of 2 million people every day. Uh, Do you want to come on this podcast? You know um, other people who've been on include X, Y, and Z. And his response was just the word. Yes. And I was just like, awesome. I'm adding the founders of morning brew here. Like they'll set you up. And later that afternoon, he was on the podcast the next morning it was released.
1: That's crazy. Um, And it's cool how like, that's an example of sending in a cold email on behalf of somebody. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's interesting. You don't hear about that as much. Uh, it's almost like kind of like de-risks the, it de-risks, I don't know, the, de-risks it. And
0: the other thing too is is Mark is a lot more likely to respond to me and say no than he would be to respond to the person who's like, you know, please come on my podcast and say no. Because to me, it's not going to emotionally affect me. And my view of Mark isn't going to change. But if somebody's begging him and he says no to them, then he might change their view about about him. So it, it does de-risk it quite a bit.
1: But you still, as the sender, need to make it personal to you so it's not just completely... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, and um, so you think that's an underutilized area to gain attention or build relationships and accelerate career growth. Is there anything else kind of besides cold email that jumps out?
0: Um, I mean, one thing that I used to do a lot, you know, back in the ad tech company doing business development was also use like other social networks. So uh, Facebook, not really LinkedIn is just always kind of garbage, but I would use like, I would try to find their Instagram and shoot them a DM or try to find them on Snapchat and shoot them a DM there or shoot them a snap. And those weren't as successful. I'm sure today they would be incredibly successful because people operate in the DMs of different platforms. Now, like, you know, people, when you meet somebody out, you don't even give them your number anymore. You give them like, Oh, what's your Instagram? What's your Twitter? I'll shoot you a DM. Uh, But back then it wasn't really common. So it it worked kind of, but not that great. Um, Another Another interesting one, I mean, one thing that I think is will just always work is like building, having some kind of credibility. And I think the easiest way to do that is like building your own audience. Because then, for example, you know, last year I emailed um, a bank and or I submitted a contact form on a bank site and they're a debt lender to every other company that claims that they actually lend debt. But they're like the debt lender's lender and i just shot you know a cold whatever contact form submission and said hey i'm nick you know in parentheses you can see i'm legit here and it just links to my twitter and you know i want to talk to you about x y and z and within 15 minutes it's not the business development rep it's not the whatever it's like the ceo responds because he's like oh you know one we have mutual people in common Two, like you carry weight because you have an audience um and i feel like having Having an audience, whether you're a person trying to send a cold email or you're a brand with, uh, you know, a, a e-commerce business of, or, or, book, you know, quarter of sales, for example, like that lets you, it always lets you skip the line. If you're a beverage brand, you're not starting in the local Whole Foods, you're starting in nationally in Target. And if you're a personal, you know, if you're a person, you're not going to like the you know, whoever's got time to, to respond to your note or a call, you're going to like the person you want to talk to right away. Yeah.
1: Having an audience. Um, and this, this also kind of ties into like uh call it branding and personal brand. Uh, I think on your Twitter, you know, it's the DTC guy. Um, and how, how have you thought about that? And has that changed over? Yeah. Has that changed?
0: Yeah. It's funny because uh, the DTC guy, was just something that uh, one of my really close friends is this guy, David Perell. And him and I have known each other for for years. And um, you know we we kind of like grew our our followings together. His is now a lot bigger, but we we started around the same time. We share a lot of principles and a lot of like learnings with each other constantly. And one of the things he was he said one time was like, you know, you're basically the DTC guy. And I was like, oh, that's a really easy way to describe why people, if they were to come to my Twitter account, should stay or should follow. And so I put it up there. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started doing a couple of podcasts or whatever, and people just start referring to it as the DTC guy. So now if you actually go to Google and just type the DTC guy, the entire page is just me. Like there's nobody else on that page. And um, so it was very unintentional. But at the same time, like now that I know it's it, it works like, you know, now, for example, I presented to uh, one of the largest uh, alcohol companies on Monday and my opening slide was, you know, why should you trust me? Just go to open your phone and Google the DTC guy and instantly, you know, to a bunch of people who look at old school things or, you know, they, they value a Google search more than they value a pretty Instagram profile or a pretty website like that was the validation they needed. Um, so now I lean into it pretty heavily, but it it definitely just started as a joke.
1: And it's, uh, one of the things that I think is sometimes can be hard for people, especially when they go to like events and it's like, what do you do? You know, um, the thing about that I love about, uh, that DTC guy is that it's kind of an umbrella and, you know, you're an operator an advisor an investor and stuff. And that doesn't kind of box you in, so to speak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, if it, if I was the Facebook ads guy, you know, then then it's not. Yeah, it's just it's very niche and narrow. Yeah. The other thing too that I was just thinking is like you know, I also got lucky with that timing because you know when I when I put that on my bio, it was you know before anybody would even call things DTC.
1: Mm. And when was that? Probably like 2017. Um and. So you mentioned the importance of building an audience, potentially trying to either come up with a unique brand for yourself, et cetera, uh, as kind of like a hook. Um, How else could people think about that for themselves? Like if they are...
0: I think it's it's all about like... So it's gotta be all about tapping into whoever you're trying to reach to, it's tapping into what their mindset is. So if you're tapping into you know, if you're tapping into somebody like Mark Cuban, again, who's just constantly busy, you know, probably has a bajillion opportunities thrown at him. You know, I was very focused on that email in social proof, because and and the power and the leveraging the fact that they had distribution. Because, you know, if it was 50,000 listeners, if it was 100,000 listeners, you know, he could probably get more impressions on on a tweet in 10 minutes, than that entire podcast would get in its entirety of distribution. But with that email specifically, I focused on social proof because I realized that was the unlock for him to go ahead and say yes. If it was the fact that he was pressed for time, you know, if it was a random person and they were just constantly busy, it would say something like, you know, it's not going to take more than 15 minutes, but basically figuring out like, what is that roadblock? And then how do you get ahead of it so that you, um, how do you get ahead of it so that you know you you don't let that become an obstacle in their head it's it's also very similar to just general you know branding or marketing like i'm trying to think of a good example where you know nike for example you don't think nike is for the average person because they've always talked about you know doing it for the most elite athletes so when you're you're thinking about making a purchase at nike the thought of, oh, is this just average? It's never even a question in your head, right? It's just all about like, how do you find that unlock? Um, and then I think the other thing is like, you know, you always, if you always do what everybody else is doing, you're going to get the same results as everybody else. You know, the average like industry click uh, open rate is probably like 20% for, for large companies and probably even smaller when you're trying to do just single cold outreach. But doing things that, you know, are not, um, that are not normalized or not taught, you know, going the other way is, is always going to catch somebody's eye and, and hopefully earn you the attention or earn you the right to get that open or that click or that response.
1: Yeah. Love it. And, uh, so with, um, have you thought about with like DTC, obviously that's direct to consumer, is there, uh, and that's for brands selling to consumers. So, you know, bottle water, et cetera. but, have you thought about that for like, for jobs and or careers, like just like direct to hiring manager or direct to person? Is there any kind of similarities there that people could think about?
0: Yeah. Like if they're trying to be known as somebody who helps people get hired.
1: Yeah. Just like, and just not applying online, not going to.
0: Oh, you're saying like, how would you use this kind of framework to go get a job? Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. I've ne- I haven't gotten a job through application, and I've never hired through application. Um, it's always been, uh, you know, hiring wise, it's been people cold emailing, cold DMing, you know, sending an email with with uh, truly a reason why they think they belong. Um, and then you know, the my advice for the jobs thing goes the same way. Like when I was uh, helping my sister, you know, she was coming out of college you know, she, she was like, Oh, I'm not getting, not getting interviews, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm, I'm applying to jobs. I'm responding. I'm putting my resume up online and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, like those every single time somebody hits easy apply on LinkedIn, it probably gets funneled into a folder that some hiring managers made in their Gmail account that they're just never going to open because they're going to end up just going to the LinkedIn platform. Now, the problem there is that there's no way for you to stand out because LinkedIn doesn't let you put a, you know, you can't really, the only, the only advantage you have like in a list is that you can change your name to something silly, which you can't really do, or you change your picture to something silly. But even then the real estate there is so small. And so my advice to her was like, you know, go figure out who the people are that are hiring, go figure out if you want to join the marketing team of this company or the, the sales team of this company, or the, the ops team of this company, go figure out who your boss would be. And like, go DM them on Instagram, go uh, email them and, and find something they did on Instagram three weeks ago, or two months ago, and ask them about it. Go, uh, go just be like, hey, I have X, Y, and Z, that's something of value to them. And, uh, and, and ask them if, if they want to talk about it, or discuss it. Or, you know, like, uh, a good example is like, if you're, a marketing person and you want to get into a brand, for example, you go tell them, you know, did you guys know that you're doing X, Y, and Z the wrong way? Or did you know that this is actually broken on your site? You know, things like that, where you're somehow upfront giving something of value, but it's not really about the value. It's more an easy way to demonstrate that you have knowledge. Uh, We'll always go further than just clicking the easy apply and hoping you get a response. the other thing, too, is most of those like, you know, or maybe not most, but in a lot of big companies, when you just try to apply normally, it, it I believe it goes through some kind of just algorithm or something like there's some kind of AI fizzling out. You know, I remembered when I tried to apply to Google one time, they were like, you know, instantly I got an email response. Oh, you don't have college education. Sorry, we don't accept applicants. So I was like, well, shit, like this guy's never going to hear, you know, what I could have done there. Um, And so, so I think it it goes the same way. Like you got to figure out what is that trigger or what is that thing? You know, if somebody follows me on Twitter and they see that we are, you know, we're cranking out landing pages, for example, and somebody emails me and says, Hey, you guys did a sick job on this Judy landing page, but here's an even better design because of X, Y, and Z. Like, let me know if you want to discuss, I would instantly say, all right, let's jump on a call. Let's figure this out. And he might just be looking to, Uh, make another, you know, industry connection, or he might be saying, like, I'm looking for a job. And then I would say, Oh, well, you're really talented, because you've already shown me that I'm going to hire you, versus the other way around, which is let me hire you and then hope that you're talented. Or let me let me put you through this, you know, long, intense interview process and hope that you can answer all the questions or solve these problems or do this test or whatever. Um, But basically, yeah, show, don't tell.
1: Show don't tell. Love that. And the kind of earlier in your career, you also like would just start selling things or like just um, was (laughs) you're smiling. Um, So (laughs) um, but talk to us a little bit about kind of the where you see opportunities with call it side hustles or just the ability to make some money and kind of prove out that skill set.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the if you're really fascinated by a specific vertical or industry or space or niche, um, there's, I mean, there's always side hustles to be made, right? Like you could look around the room and and try to find three or four different side hustles. I'm just sitting in a conference room. I'm looking at an outlet on the wall that looks like a two plug outlet. Like somebody could come in and and sell this agency on, Oh, those should actually have USB-C adapters on the plugs because you know, you can charge laptops and phones and nobody's really plugging things in anymore. And that, that could be a side hustle of its own. It's just arbitraging the cost of another plug. You know, I tweeted one the other day, which uh, did really well. And it was basically, if, if I wanted to make an extra $5,000 a month, I would basically go, go to, uh, you know, shop owners and tell them I'll set up X, Y, and Z for them. It's usually, it's something that's very much overlooked in e-commerce, but uh, can, can be very helpful if, you know, later down the road, if everything was set up properly, you know when the business started and um and it did really well because people realized, oh, this is actually a very easy side hustle. It takes maybe ten hours a month and I can make an extra five grand. but I think one thing I realized from that was the easiest way to find really good side hustles in any vertical or industry or niche just go find somebody who's really smart or who knows that industry really well and just go ask them like what's a common what's a common problem what's the you know, what, what's something that's repetitive or what's something that you can't believe is still a thing, like still a task, or what's something you, what's a mistake you always see, you know, companies here make that, that they shouldn't be making, or you just go out and try to, you know, email 25 people and, and, and get the answer that way, crowdsource it. But there are always side hustles, you know, to be done. And, um, and if anything, it, 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 I think side hustles teach you a lot of skills from accounting to invoicing, to, communications to biz dev to you know customer satisfaction or customer service to client services like there's a lot of good things that come out of uh you know even a silly side hustle yeah yeah
1: um that's fascinating how like you just started looking at the outlet and you're like boom 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 um but um well nick this has been an incredible conversation is there anything else that you think that we missed before any, you know, one other idea that you think that we missed before you let listeners know where they can follow up, learn more. Speaking of newsletters, got a newsletter every Sunday.
0: Yeah, I think uh, now I'm thinking back to our conversation before we started, we, before we hit the record button about the, uh, the hold music, but it just reminds me, basically this hold music is, you know, I, when I would do the, the calls for business development, I would have a conference line instead of a Google Hangout or a, or, um, a Zoom because really nobody did that before COVID anyways. But, um, but when somebody joined, it would start, my buddy, Nathan Fast, who was at the time, like, you know, KISS FM's radio host in LA, he recorded something and it sounded like, you know, as you dialed in, it said, please wait, you know, please listen while we wait for the others to join. It starts playing this thing with Nathan doing a voiceover and going into a song. And it just, it it created the perfect icebreaker for when I got on the phone, you know, 90 seconds late intentionally every time, because now this person's heard this recording. They're like, wait, was I just listening to the radio? Why was Nick's name mentioned? Oh, there was a cool song. Like what just happened? And, uh, it's just back to the concept of like, you know, just do things differently, completely differently. Like, I guess always ask your question, you know, what if, uh, what if this was done differently or, or, um, Or, you know, how, like, how do you stand out from everybody who just has either a silent thing or, or the standard, you know, hold music, right? Because that's not exciting. And nobody's going to remember that at the end of the day, you want to find something where you can do something. And then at the end of the day, when that person goes home to their husband or wife, they can tell them, you know, you wouldn't believe what happened. I got on the phone today and this guy from the radio started talking and it turns out it was this guy's thing. So I just think doing things like doing things the wrong way or doing things that, you know, the way that nobody else does, there's a lot of power in that. Love that. Yeah.
1: Um, And so when people want to uniquely reach out to you or to learn more, what are the best places to, for them to learn more?
0: Um, So the easiest one is, is, uh, is to like, just DM me on Twitter or tweet me at Mr. Sharma. The other place that I get a lot of inbound from is just people responding to my newsletters. Or just emailing me directly at n at sharma.com. But yeah, if you're if you're unique, you'll probably get a response.
1: <laughs> Sounds good, Nick. Thank you so much. Of course. Hey friend. thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder. I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.